Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this place be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, stagnancy, ignorance. All of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkady and your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. I spoke with Pastor Arkady, and I asked him how we, he would like our services on Sunday to, con to continue and what theme we need to study, to submerge into. And he said, returning to the old path of good because this is the true Christian teaching and it is the foundation of the faith of a Christian and so it needs to not be forgotten, it needs to be remembered and it is needed to be established in our life. And so the, there will be about 26 sermons and if Pastor, of course, uh, returns before uh, that time, then we will continue to uh, study these same uh, sermons on Tuesdays. Before we begin to study the 12 fundamental teachings identifying the essence of the true Christian teaching, which Apostle Peter calls commandment, 2 Peter 3.2, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of, of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. I should also note that we will be studying this commandment exclusively within the format and only within those boundaries that God will allow and within the measure of our faith. This is what David says in his Psalms, I have seen the consummation of all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad, Psalm 119.96. And so, how did the prophets, how did Christ himself call his teaching? Apostle John calls the 12 fundamental teachings the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh and Apostle Paul calls the Christian teaching the great mystery of godliness or the elementary teaching of Christ. Jesus himself called his teaching the narrow gate and narrow path. Prophet Jeremiah, inspired by the Holy Spirit, 
called this teaching the old path of good. Let's read Jeremiah 6, 16 through 19. Thus says the Lord, stand in the way and see, and ask for the old path where the old where the good way is and walk in it, then you will find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk in it. Also I set watchmen over you, saying, Listen to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not listen. Therefore hear, you nations, and know, O congregations, what is among them. Hear, O earth, behold, I will certainly bring calamity on this people, the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not heeded my words, nor my law, but rejected it. And so according to what Prophet Jeremiah speaks here, we have today the opportunity and privilege to return to the old path of good. According to the given prophetic message, the old path of good, it has all of these names, the commandment, the teaching of Christ that came in the flesh, the elementary teaching of Christ, the narrow gate and narrow path. All of this is the old path of good. And why do we need this path? So that we can be led into the Sabbath, into God's rest, according to the given prophetic message of God to his nation, the old path of good to which God had called his nation was supposed to bring them to rest or to the Sabbath in which God himself abides. As we read, stand in the way and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest, that is the Sabbath, for your souls. It becomes clear that the law of Moses was not able to be the old path of good as it was not called and was not able to bring the people to rest or to the Sabbath in which God himself dwelled. Hebrews 4, 8 through 11. For if Joshua had given them rest, this is also called as the fullness of day, this is the rest, <clears throat> then for, for if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. In other words, that rest that is different, that is something else, and it's not identified as one calendar day. In this one calendar day, the Jews tried to enter God's rest and couldn't. And God says, I will give you a different Sabbath, a different promised land within the boundaries of your body, and you will you will then enter this other, this different rest here on earth. Let us therefore be diligent again to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. And so if there's a different day, if there's a different uh, Sabbath, different rest, it is not restricted by one calendar day, that the day that comes after Friday and before Sunday. When a person is in this other day, this other rest, then he will rest there forever. And 
this date is an eternal date, an eternal Sabbath. Moses, Joshua, they wanted to lead the people into the land of Canaan. And they wanted to find this rest within that one day, uh, one calendar day a week. But he wanted that the land of Canaan be our body, God did. And having then, or possessing this uh, promised land, we would be able to find this other rest so that we can be in that Sabbath that is here inside and not just upon the land of Israel. The true rest, the true Sabbath is where the fear of the Lord is. This is the supernatural rest that God gives. And how do you receive it? How you enter? How do you enter that rest? You need to have watchmen who are watchmen. These are people who pass on the torch one to the other. And the one who is worthy runs, grabs it, uh, continues running, and then they pass it, the torch on to the next one. And finally, he passed on then this finally after all of these people it was given to Christ so that then we can receive it, or that his people can then receive it and so the direction to the old path of good were to be given by the watchmen placed by God and they are placed by God by the means of the sound of the tr- uh, by, and the, this uh, direction of the old path of good is given by the means of the sound of the trumpet which is given to them by God which implies the anointing of the Holy Spirit to have the power to apprehend the old apprehend the old path of good in the given law also I set watchmen over you saying listen to the sound of the trumpet but they said we will not listen to have this rest or receive this rest you need to receive the torch and so Christ passed on this torch to his disciples and from his disciples to us but people say today I don't want to receive this torch I want to uh, enter this rest in my own way but we need to receive the torch that would lead uh, lead us into the legitimate rest that God uh, has the author of the watchman and the finisher of the old path of good demonstrated in the Sabbatarianism was the son of God in the form of the son of man and his teaching was the old path of good. John 5.39 You search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and these are they which testify of me. The first watchman of the old path of good in his time was Adam. We know that the author of the watchman is Jesus Christ and who passed on this torch Uh, to lead then the church into his legitimate rest where we not just rest in a specific calendar day but this rest continually abides within us and and we abide continually in his rest and so the first watchman of the old path of good was Adam after that this torch was received from Adam by his son Seth after Abel was killed after that Enosh at the time when men received the ability to call on the name of the Lord. And so this torch that is passed on, the midst in which then this person is, the the area in which this person is, uh, who has the torch, allows then people to, and gives them the ability to call upon the name of the Lord. From Enosh, the torch of, of a watchman of the path of good was passed on to Canaan, and after that, Mahalel, and after to Jared, and finally the seventh watchman of the old path of good was Enoch, about whom it is said, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God 
took him. After the rapture of Enoch, the watchman of the old path of good became Lamech. And after that, the watchman of the old path became Noah. After the death of Noah, the torch of the watchman of the old path of good was passed to Shem. And now the twelfth watchman, finishing this crowned pleiad, was Abraham, who by the means of his unusual faith was called the friend of God and the father of many nations, or the father of all believers until the end of time. And so how this torch was passed on to Abraham and then to pass on this uh, torch from Abraham, then Jesus needed to receive this torch and pass it on then to his apostles and the apostles and pass it on to all the churches, to the Gentiles and to us. This is specifically why the old path of good is named the path of the faith of Abraham and the author and finisher of the faith of Abraham is the Son of God, Jesus Christ, in the form of the Son of Man. Hebrews 12:1-2. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud, of, a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. A cloud of witnesses are the watchmen of the old old path of good who satisfy the requirements of God's order becoming partakers of the virtue contained in the number 12 therefore to become a partaker of the order contained in the virtue of the number 12 we are called to follow these watchmen as they follow Christ following their example as they follow the example of Christ Philippians 3:17 brethren join in following my example and note those who who so walk as you have us for a pattern. In other words, that received this torch from me is what it's saying here. And to receive such a virtue, it was necessary to become free of the curse of the law of Moses, which was and still is the watchman of all men, who have not lost their soul in the death of Christ. And so in the beginning, being carnal, we are under the watch, we, the watchmen of the law of Moses, and we, being baptized, then receive a new covenant that would be able to allow us to be brought into this true, different rest. And so, people who are in the service of condemnation also receive their own torch you notice Moses was not part of that pleiad of those who passed on the torch but he was uh, he did have his torch and so when we're born again we don't receive the torch from that pleiad that begins from Adam And so people who have not lost their soul in the death of the Lord Jesus, we don't receive it 
this torch from Adam but uh, to Abraham, but we receive it rather from Moses. Galatians 3, 13, 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. By itself, the blessing of Abraham as the old path of good is demonstrated in righteousness before God, which is independent of the law of Moses, as it is given exclusively by faith in the redeeming act of Christ Jesus. And to believe in redemption contained in Jesus Christ, it is necessary to understand and differentiate his teaching from the many religious counterfeits that are as if Christian, but do not include the essence of the teaching of the old path of good called to make us partakers of God's nature. And for this purpose, it is necessary to be taught how to build an altar for the Lord, the nature of offering you need to bring, and the order in which you need to bring this offering. Afterwards, it is necessary to be dedicated and sanctified by the Holy Spirit so that you can come into the presence of the Lord. And so again, we need to look. And so we need to read and uh, and note uh, what we've just read. Look at it again. The old path of good had a goal, and that is to bring us into the Sabbath, into another rest. And he can only bring us into this rest if we receive a torch. And what torch do we receive? The, the watchman coming from uh, Abraham, and this is the one that was then passed on to Christ, or do we receive this torch from Moses, from the law of works, the service of condemnation, and continue with deeds and works to try to save ourselves, not understanding that we're running away from eternity and going to hell. And so we have seen this Sabbath, this rest, and the watchman we need to receive this torch from. And so we need to understand clearly again uh, what torch we receive. Are we going to eternity? Are we directed toward eternity or are we directed toward hell? We need to understand what torch we have taken. And now speaking of this other day, let's look at the order contained in this day. And so we need to look again at the order which is also known as God's light. The old path of good in the form of the teaching of redemption, the watchmen of which were 12 men beginning with Adam and finishing with Abraham, is identified in scripture as a specific order which from the time of old is symbolically present in the light of each day containing 12 hours. Galatians 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters then God said let there be light and there was light and God saw the light that it was good and God divided the light from the darkness God called the light day and the darkness he called night so the evening and the morning were the first day although the Sun moon and stars were not yet created which were called to identify and separate the day from the night the order of the first day was identified in 12 hours. 
In other words, as soon as we repent, because we are born from God, we need to begin to know the truth because we're born from God, not because of our uh, our own actions or our thoughts. And so in the first day, the Lord said, let there be light. But only in the latter days did He create the Son. And so when we're born again, the properly received Judaism, where Jesus was and where He's born and passed on the torch to us, we know the redemption is there. Redemption is correctly receiving justification. Correctly receiving justification It is not that it, on my in my sky we need to immediately have the sun, moon, and stars. They'll come later. We need to have the light of the seventh uh, in the seven days. And so although our actions and our thoughts are far from the light, they're complete darkness, but we are a light because of our birth from God. And you need to simply agree with that. We, because we're born from Him, this light abides within our spirit. But in our soul, there is no uh, light on in its skies. And this needs to then, the work needs to be done, that it then become in our thoughts and our actions. But properly receive justification, it's not because of what I said or do, but because of whom I'm, who I was born from. And so finding, uh, correctly receiving this uh, torch, if we come in with this torch, then we come in to this uh, rest. And this is in the first day and not in the fourth where already the sun, moon, and stars appeared in the sky. John eleven nine ten, Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Understandably, considering the words of Jesus, we conclude that it was not referring to a regular 12-hour day, but instead about those that will contain the teaching about redemption accomplished by Jesus Christ, which will be God's justice. And independence of our attitude toward these 12 hours of the day, this justice of God by the means of light contained in the teaching about redemption will condemn certain people and justify other people so that they can rely upon God and trust in His arm. And so our behavior, our attitude toward these 12 hours, where is our light? Will This will then determine whether this light will justify us or condemn us. If this light only appears in the fourth day when I become religious, when as the light that is lit up in us is when we're born from God and being justified, we then begin to do the works of righteousness. And so the the order of light, what is this order of light? Light forms in the first day. And God said this is light and I'm born from God and I by the fact of my birth as a child of God, although my acts and my thoughts may not yet correspond to God's, correspond the standards of holiness. But in the fourth day, uh, this light will be visibly seen. Isaiah 51, 4, 5. Listen to me, my people. It talks here about the light as judgment. Listen to me, my people, and give ear to me. O my nation, for law will proceed from me, and I will make my justice rest as a light 
of the peoples. My righteousness is near, my salvation has gone forth, and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands will wait upon me, and on my arm they will trust. Only the category of people who have humbled themselves before the order of God and have inclined their ear, their ear to hear the preached word about the kingdom of heaven are able to trust upon God, and this is why these people have also obtained hope upon God in their hearts. Therefore, the order of the day within 12 hours for the category of people identified as coastlands will be their salvation. This is because the symbol of a coastland is a symbol of sanctification where we see a separation of these people from other people inhabiting the earth. Speaking of the price of sanctification, which is called to separate us from other people who do not comprehend and resist the order of the 12 hours, identifying the order of sanctification, Apostle John writes the next things, first, second, John 1, 7 through 11. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him, for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. We need to have exact scales and an accurate measuring wreath so that we can determine how much the received by us teaching corresponds to the order contained in the 12 hours of the day, the order of light. Because as we see, there's a very different order uh, and, and it's contained in 12 hours of darkness and not the day. There are 12 hours of light where the saints come into his rest and the 12 hours of darkness for vessels of wrath and they go to their death. And such scales and such a measuring wreath is the old path of good contained in the teaching of Jesus Christ who, who has come in the flesh. We need to know that if we perceive a teaching that does not correspond to the order contained in the 12 hours of the day, then we are perceiving a teaching of the Antichrist, which according to scripture will not differ outwardly or in appearance from the teaching of Jesus Christ who has come in the flesh, but inside this teaching will have an absence of this divine order of the day and light. 1 John 4, 1 through 3. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world, but this you know, the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. These 12 hours of the day, the order of light, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God, and this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. <clears throat> he, <clears throat> he represents a very different order, order of, the, of the darkness. The old path of good in the teaching of Jesus Christ, who has come in the flesh, <clears throat> is a teaching about the kingdom of heaven. It leads us again into the kingdom of heaven, this old path of good. Verse 
Romans 14, 17, 18, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. According to the given place, to inherit the kingdom of heaven in the form of the old path of good means to do what is acceptable to God. Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit are derivatives of righteousness into which we are called to clothe ourselves into the Holy Spirit. The teaching about righteousness obtained in faith <clears throat> or obtained by faith in the format of the kingdom of heaven is, is contained in the teaching of Jesus Christ who has come in the flesh. In one of his parables, in the teaching of the kingdom of heaven, demonstrated in the righteousness of God, Jesus presents conditions upon the basis of which a person is able to discover the old path of good so that he can obtain righteousness and thereafter perform righteousness. <clears throat> And such conditions, according to the words of Christ, is discovering the entering through the narrow gate and narrow path which lead to eternal life. From this we can conclude that the teaching of Jesus Christ who has come in the flesh consists in the nature and qualities contained in the narrow gates and narrow path. <clears throat> and so again, how have we approached this narrow gates and narrow path? We are on a path to the day of rest day of rest is when a person achieves his true purpose. What true purpose? We have one, to become partakers of God's nature by getting to know and uniting with God, becoming one with God. If someone asks, what is your purpose? To become a partaker of God's divine nature by getting to know God and His truth and how can you become a partaker of God's nature when we find in the Sabbath of God his rest how do you find this rest we need to have watchmen who are these people these are people who pass on the torch these this torch is passed on to be able to lead us into the kingdom of heaven and you can enter through the into the kingdom of heaven through the narrow path and narrow gate and so let us look then at the narrow gate and narrow path and also other gates and other paths that lead to hell. <clears throat> and so such conditions, again, according to the words of Christ, is discovering and entering through this narrow gate, walking through this narrow gate and narrow path, which lead to eternal life. From this we conclude that the teaching of Jesus Christ, who has come in the flesh, consists in the nature and qualities contained in the narrow gate and narrow path. Matthew 7, 13, 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. And so many who receive the staff or the torch, uh, they think that they're going to he uh, toward heaven, but they're actually going toward hell. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. We need to immediately note, after identifying the day, as the true Sabbath, we have identified the watchmen who lead us into this day of rest and have agreed with the order of light, the order of this day. Now we can enter through the narrow gate and narrow path into the kingdom of heaven. Again, we need to immediately note that the fact that repentance alone or turning to God is not yet entering by the narrow gate. And so when we're born again, we don't immediately enter through the narrow gate. <clears throat> when I repent in my sins and I believe Jesus, uh, I receive Jesus as my, as my Savior, 
the opportunity to enter by the narrow gate becomes possible only after believing, that is, only after we turn to God. <clears throat> because entering by the narrow gate is knowing the truth contained in the teaching of Jesus Christ that has come in the flesh. <clears throat> amazingly how everything is built together and works together so that the time of our repentance and we receive Jesus as as our Savior we have not yet entered into the narrow gate it happens after we have believed and this is by getting to know God's truth John 8 31 32 then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him those who believed in him if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth will lead you into this other rest, into the kingdom of heaven. How do you get to know the truth? You need to become familiar with the narrow gate, narrow path. Pastor writes that we've more than once noted that in the given parable, the many who walk the wide path and the few who walk the narrow path are both Christian people who receive salvation by grace, each of whom is confident that the path they are walking, demonstrated in the received by them faith teaching, leads them to eternal life or to the resurrection of life abiding in the kingdom of heaven. However, as we can see in the given parable, before walking by the narrow gate leading to eternal life or the resurrection of life, we need to first find it by searching for it. But to find the resurrection of life in the form of the narrow gate, it is necessary to not only strive to walk by the narrow gate, but also be well informed about what the scriptures imply when talking about the narrow gate and what it implies by the wide gate or what criteria do the scriptures ascribe these contrary to one another gates. Practically, the narrow gate is directly associated with the kingdom of God, which we can walk by upon one condition putting forth all effort and strength. After being born again, a person needs to put forth his effort and his strength and not uh, become lazy. Luke 16, 16, the law and the prophets were until John since that time the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. And so what does it mean to press into it? We will check whether we uh, have this factor. And we can see then if we've entered through this narrow gate, walked into this narrow gate. To press into it is contend earnestly, compete, battle, fight, spend your means and energy, devote particular time, diligently search the scriptures, prepare your heart to listen to the preached word about the kingdom. Therefore, according to the words of Christ spoken by him in the parable of the narrow gate and narrow path, many of these people who call themselves believers will not be able to walk the narrow gate and will lose their salvation, not at all realizing that they lost it for only one reason. And these are the reasons they lost salvation thinking they actually obtained salvation because they will not be able to find the narrow gate because they do not know how they look or what unique qualities and characteristics they have in scripture second because they will perceive the wide gate for the narrow gate and the wide path as the narrow path 
They say, in any church you can be saved, God is everywhere. What are you making of yourself? We're not making anything of ourselves. We identify as the chosen by God remnant because we choose to be part of it. And so people who choose the wide path, there's a shouting, noise, all kinds of lawlessness and sin is legalized. And this uh, exists in, in Pentecostal churches. Baptist churches also, some of them have, who who drink uh, charismatic services that have both, <clears throat> and they say, they call themselves churches. No, you need to know, you need to know the difference and not perceive the wide gate as the narrow or the wide path as the narrow path. Because third, because they, they will not know what price needs to be paid so that they can find the narrow gate so that they can receive the right to walk by these gates because they will not know by what results we need to examine ourselves to know what gates you entered and by what path you are walking fifth because they will not know that to find the narrow gate using your physical eyes and intellect is impossible the narrow gate can only be found with the heart and not with physical eyes or intellect. Sixth, for this purpose, it is necessary to have a clean and open eye of the heart and also the circumcised ear of the heart able to hear. Without all of this, a person will perceive the wide gate as the narrow gate and we know that the gates that a person walks in is then what will determine his future. Therefore, what or who is Jesus talking about in the spoken parable when talking about the narrow gate and narrow path? We're talk, we'll talk here specifically about what, what these are and how to understand them. The narrow gate and narrow path leading to eternal life or the bosom of the Heavenly Father is the individual Christ who said of himself, John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father <coughs> except through me. And to understand why Jesus called himself the narrow gate and narrow path, we will look yet at another parable. John 10, 9, 10. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Here it's talking about the pasture and what is this pasture that we uh, end up upon after entering the narrow gate. Pasture is feeding ground, grassland or meadow with a good variety of grasses for the grazing of the flocks. To find such a rich pasture means discovering the narrow path. This implies a place or congregation of saints where the teaching of Christ is offered, who has come in the flesh, for you, for you to be able to perfect yourself in spiritual growth and life in the spirit. The phrase to go in and out symbolizes walking through the narrow gate and coming out of the narrow gate onto a narrow path in the form of the pasture. This image is well illustrated in entering the Ark of Salvation and then ex exiting from this Ark. If Noah would not have come out of the Ark of Salvation, then the Ark of Salvation would have become for him a more tragic death 
than the waters of the flood. As he enters into the death of Jesus Christ, he partakes with Christ in his death and then comes out in his resurrection. And so how do you determine you will come in and come out? That is, being again in the death of Jesus Christ, be be conformed with him in his death, and then come out, you will then have a fruit of the Spirit in the resurrection. And so the door to the sheepfold, which is the church of Jesus Christ, or the church of saints, is the Son of God as the head of the house of God, in the form of the narrow gate, which includes the threshold of of the house of God, This is the delegated authority of God, which is a part of the door. At the same time, the narrow path or pasture upon this path is the body of Jesus Christ in the form of his church. And so again, what this narrow gate is, this is this door. We conclude that the narrow gate is Jesus Christ himself. But this narrow gate This door also has a threshold, and the threshold are his delegated messengers, representatives. And why do people in other places so greatly desire to become pastors? The delegation is at the threshold. And the threshold typically has a doormat where everybody wipes their feet and shoes. People try and strive to become pastors. And they then try to uh, belittle the other person so that they can receive then that position or the status. But as we know, the threshold or the porch of any place has a doormat. And they serve as the servants, and they have the privilege to serve his children, God's children. They serve the King of Kings and Lord of of Lords. But you see, in some of these services where people sit at the front, and then they speak the most terrible things to the people, they belittle the people that they speak to in arrogance. And so the narrow gate is identified by this threshold. And so then our pastor becomes this narrow gate. Why? Because by him you then enter. That's, that is given by Jesus Christ to his messengers. And we, we see that you are not able to enter this door and so to enter the Devere into the Holy of Holies, there was a unique form. It was a, a, a five angles that it consisted of. Christ uh, merged himself with his messengers. When he was on earth, he was the threshold. And when he had left, he had mandated his messengers, his apostles, to then become that threshold. The narrow gate or the old path of good in the teaching of Jesus Christ who has come in the flesh is the path upon which light is diffused. 
Matthew 5, 14 through 16, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now let's look at the wide gate and the wide path. Let's see what it consists of so that we not confuse these. The wide gate and wide path are the gates of hell and the path to the gates of the shadow of death. Job 38, 17-24 Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the doors of the shadow of death? Have you comprehended the breadth of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. Where is the way to the dwelling of light? And darkness, where is its place? By what way is light diffused or the east wind scattered over the earth? To walk by the narrow gate is to receive Christ into your heart in the form of the Holy Spirit and be placed into Christ Jesus. We conclude that while flesh and blood is not yet eliminated, we will not only be able we will not only not be able to enter by, but will not even be able to discover the narrow gate. Because the word narrow itself means unpassable, unnoticed, and uncomfortable for flesh and blood to walk. But you'll say, I have flesh and blood. How did I enter the kingdom of heaven? Because when you enter through the narrow gate, you died for your nation, the house of your father, and for your destructive desires, because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. But we, being in flesh and blood, have entered the kingdom of heaven and are present in the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because we have died for our nation, the house of our father, and for our destructive desires, being in this mortal body. We are sitting at <clears throat> the table of, the, of, of God and we are offered a, me, a, a royal menu. Wide gate is an unfaithful teaching about Christ and an unfaithful representation of Christ. The wide path upon which many walk are individual people and individual churches mixing the things of man with the things of God. But to separate one gate from the other and one path from the other, we need to clearly identify or have a clear criteria of the narrow gate leading to eternal life or the resurrection of life as well as the wide gate leading to eternal suffering or resurrection for condemnation. The thing is, the original phrase, the narrow gate, has the meaning, first, it is not possible to walk through them with your own personal clothing through the narrow gate, with your own personal clothing in the form of your own personal righteousness. Second, it is not possible using them to bring in any of your burdens in the form of your own personal interests consisting in the inheritance of the sinful life passed on to us from our fathers. And third, aside from all all else, the one walking through these narrow gates needs to correspond to the nature and quality of the narrow gate. And so again, we cannot uh, <clears throat> come in with our own personal clothing as a righteousness. We cannot bring in our own burdens, our own personal interests. And we cannot uh, enter if we do not correspond the nature and quality of the narrow gate. With all of this, we conclude that to be able to discover the old path of good in the form of the narrow gate, it is necessary having a clean eye of the heart in the form of a clean conscience and a circumcised ear of the heart 
in the form of humility to differentiate the narrow gate and narrow path from the wide gate and wide path. For the right to walk by the narrow gate, it is necessary to cast off the off your clothes in the form of dead works that is that is then become naked and after be clothed into new garments that are given by God. Third, for the right to enter the narrow gate, it is necessary to consciously reject all burdens, all inheritance, and all that does not correspond to the nature of the narrow gate. Fourth, for the right to walk by the narrow gate, it is necessary to place the narrow gate into your heart and also allow the Holy Spirit to place you into the atmosphere of the narrow gate. And fifth, to abide upon the narrow path, it is necessary to continuously be vigilant and stand guard of the commandments of God. And now, let's look at some of the signs that we are, the first sign that we are walking by the wide gate and walking the wide path is unfaithful goals. What goals do we have? Our body, and we, our goal is to get to know God, not to evangelize, to rebuke demons, to heal people, to live a long life, to be prosperous on earth, and to use the good for our own flesh. Our goal is to become a part of God's divine nature. Let us remember again, if someone asks me, what is your goal? If you're on TV and there are a million people watching you and you're asked, what is your goal as a Christian on earth? My goal is to become a partaker of God, of the great Yahweh. By getting to know the truth. I think they'll be quiet for a couple of minutes and they'll say, well, we've never heard anyone answer this way so-called patriarchs they have, or preachers, do you have some interesting goals to become as God? We are as God in our spirit, but we want to be in our soul and, and, and body. So we not just be called, but, but also be the children of the Holy Yahweh. To be children, not just in spirit, in the soul, in our, that is in our mind, but also our body as well and be called the children of the Lord God. If our goal, if our goal is a cloudless and successful life in the flesh and fame by evangelizing, which we do not understand and to which we were never called or sent, then we will be exploiting spiritual principles to achieve and have a successful life in the flesh. Watchmen that lead the people by the wide gate, they call such an approach to grace tolerance and an expanded outlook where they are trying to unite the interests of the flesh with the interests of the spirit. If our goal is the life of the spirit and life in the spirit, then we will utilize spiritual principles of grace for the success and growth of life in the spirit. The words of these two identifications are found in the book of Apostle Paul to the Church of God who were in Galatia, Galatians, Galatians 6, 7, 8. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit 
will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And so sowing in the flesh are those walking the wide path, those who sow to the Spirit walking the narrow path. And so the wide gate leading to hell implies the gates of hell, embodying the Antichrist, impersonating himself as Christ, and behaving as an angel of light. And so the gates of hell is the the gates leading to hell implies the gates of hell. This is the wide gate. Jesus Christ and his threshold are his messengers. The gates of hell is the Antichrist himself, and he has his own threshold as well. These are his messengers who don't see themselves as slaves and servants, who see themselves as masters who control and uh, manipulate and control the children of God rather than uh, be servants to them. And so you ask the question, show me the threshold of the church. Uh, who is the leader? Is it the one that's shouting at the front, uh, screaming and shouting and saying all kinds of things that don't make sense? Uh, this is the threshold of the Antichrist. Matthew 16, 18, 19. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you b- you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The wide path leading to hell are proper slogans which each is free to understand as they will, as well as partial truth or the perversion of the truth demonstrated in the wine of wrath and harlotry, which the woman seated upon the scarlet, scarlet beast in the form of the false bride gave drink to all the nations, revelations, 18, 1 through 5. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great has fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. And so we see here presented the wide path and the wide gate in the form of this great harlot that already exists on earth and who's in hell and who is in the uncircumcised mind and uncircumcised heart that does not tremble before the word where the devil can uh, put evil thoughts to forsake the Holy Spirit the Word of God, the Church, the place where God abides. And so, from what we have read, let us uh, sum up what we've read. We identified the other day, which is the true Sabbath, the rest, day of rest. We've identified the watchmen who lead us into this rest. We've agreed with the order of light and have received the right to enter 
into the kingdom of heaven through the narrow path and narrow gate. And now we can look in more detail at the essence of the old path of good. However, to study the essence of the old path of good that is laid out in the teaching of Jesus Christ, who came in the flesh, we will turn to the words of Apostle Paul, who is written in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 5.13-6 through 6. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of the hands of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment, and this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the power of the age to come if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. Looking at the meaning of the given place of scripture, we conclude that a person who has received a revelation about the old path of good reflected in the teaching of Jesus Christ, who has come in the flesh in the form of the first fruits of the teaching of Christ, will first be enlightened with the light of the truth, has tasted the heavenly gift from God, has become a partaker of the Holy Spirit, has tasted the good word of God, and has tasted the power of the age to come. And so this is a person who received revelations about the old path of good. Such a person, if he falls, he will not be able to be renewed with repentance because he turned to dead works and not to the faith of God. And so if I know the teaching of Jesus Christ, can I not no longer be renewed with repentance? We need to understand what the word means if they fall away. Fall away and so it's one thing that when you fall is one thing. You fall seven times, you rise again because you're righteous. But the wicked fall once and don't. Uh, when you fall into sin, is <clears throat> one thing. But when you <clears throat> fall away from the church, uh, from the place, you part, depart from the place where the blood of Jesus Christ is, you begin to mock Christ these are people to mock Christ when we come and repent our, uh, in our sins. For example, they are in triumph, they repent. They mock Christ when they fall away from Christ. They say, oh, this is what you call a church? What is this church? These kinds of statements, these phrases, I don't believe such rep- people will receive repentance. May the Lord per- <clears throat> save them, but when you make such statements, you have fallen already uh, in a way that's different than just committing sins. And so to determine whether you have just fallen into sin or whether you've literally fallen away from the church, that means to uh, speak evil of the messengers of God, speak evil of the church. When you sin, it's one thing because you come back and you repent. 
this person mocks Christ, mocks the church, and has absolutely no desire to change that. And so the old path in the first fruits of Christ is the information of the righteousness of God, which gives person the ability to know what righteousness is and how to perform it. The first fruits of Christ is a food that will allow a person to leave infancy, spiritual infancy, so that he can begin to speak and think as a as a mature man. Leave spiritual infancy again so that you can become spiritually, so you can speak to think as a spiritual person. First Corinthians 13, 11, 12, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. But now we see in a mirror dimly that is in a carnal state, but then face to face, now I know in part that is in my soul, but then I shall know, know just as I also am known. Furthermore, the word elementary includes the meaning of a specific completeness. First fruits is not just something first, it's something that is abstract. First fruits. And so this elementary that it's referring to is the beginning, foundation, or origin. Leadership, governance, and rule, and cornerstone, and consummation. And so in this uh, elementary, in this first fruit, uh, the 12 foundations, the elementary teaching, will then determine whether we can enter through the 12 pearly gates and grow in our hearts the tree uh, that produces fruit and produces fruits each month. <clears throat> and where our root system is within the 12 foundations, they are not just the, the elementary teaching. <clears throat> this is its own form of completeness. We come to it, to this completeness uh, because of this elementary teaching. And the, again, the root system needs to be in this elementary to principles. If they're not there, our, our roots aren't there, then our tree will not produce fruit. And here's what leaving elementary principles so that we can go on to perfection means. Living elementary principles is to be sprinkled with the elementary teaching, be clothed into the armor of the supreme supreme teaching, to be brought to amazement by the completeness of the teaching, be risen above evil by the supreme teaching, but be a partaker of the Holy Spirit by the means of completeness, taste the power of the age to come by the means of rule, take responsibility within the boundaries of the supreme teaching, receiving the meaning receiving the means for building yourself into the image and likeness of God. And so leaving elementary principles means uh, going from point A to point B, to the other P, uh, Sabbath, to the other day of rest, that the rest that is eternal. According to this uh, definition, list of definitions, we can see this uh, place of scripture maybe rephrased uh, more appropriately like this. Therefore, sprinkling yourself with the supreme teaching of Christ and clothing yourself into the armor of light, 
containing the governance of this teaching, we will build ourselves into a house of God. A very interesting um, elaborated, elaborated uh, version of, of, of what is written. The ch chief cornerstone of the teaching of Christ or the teaching of Jesus Christ that has come in the flesh is the foundation of the power of God which first allows us to turn and cleanse our conscience from dead works and secondly is the foundation that gives us the right or the, gives us the ability to turn to God's faith. And so the first fruits again, the foundation, what will it do? It will not bring us into God's faith until we first are cleansed from dead works. Uh, if we were in other denominations and we have this luggage, this baggage with us, we need to be cleansed from these dead works so that we can then uh, be directed toward God's faith. Hebrews 9, 13, 14, For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Cleanse our conscience for what? To serve the living God. Dead works are good works that are being done not according to our faith. It is not a, a faith that is being worked through the love of God. It is a good work that is being inspired uh, by the flesh and is to obtain a fame and salvation, which is only given freely by grace in the redemption of Christ. Dead, and so, because of this, these good deeds is a result so we again repeat these, let us be very clear of what are good works and what are dead works. These are the results of an already existing righteousness where a person, uh, good. these are good works as a result of already uh, the righteousness that is already in us, where a person is then doing his good work and by this, you demonstrate then your thanksgiving to God and your love to God, who has saved us from death. And so the love that we have for God is identified not by good uh, feelings or intentions, which actually attest a person, but by our thanksgiving. And so we demonstrate our love because in our thanksgiving, demonstrated and is demonstrating then our love to him and we demonstrate this by fulfilling his commandments which identified then this old path of good in the teaching of Jesus Christ and so we perform the works of righteousness as righteous people and we demonstrate our love to God and so love to God again is not with good feelings or good intentions First Corinthians 13.3 And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. And so this person not having love for God, what does it mean not having love? He didn't do this because he loved God. He did it because 
his name will be in history that this there was this great person who gave his body as a sacrifice for us but he didn't give it for the sake of god he did it for the sake of his own name looking back at the information that is contained in the elementary teaching of christ we see that it's consisted of four parts that all exist in one another and uh exist in one another and identify the truthful nature of one the other doctrine of baptisms doctrine of laying on of the hands doctrine of resurrection of the dead and doctrine of eternal judgment in scripture these four doctrines as the teaching of the old path of good uh, represent the four uh, rivers that flowed from eden which watered all of the lands and these represented the unique relationship a person had with god Genesis 2.10, now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four river heads. And so, of course, to have this uh, river heads, we need to have Eden in our heart. And then, after having this Eden, uh, then will these river heads be able to water the garden. That first is one river, and then splits into four. This place of scripture shows that the spring of the old path, even today, is consisted in the four rivers flowing from Eden. And they demonstrate again the legitimate relationship a man has with God. And so these four teachings, they also represent the east, west, north, and south, the category of people that are carriers and are watchmen of the old path of good. Daniel 7 uh, to 3, Daniel spoke saying, I saw in my vision by night and behold the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea and four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. And so we see here how this elementary teaching of Christ consists in these uh, four, the four, it's showing us four winds in this case. And the false teaching that uh, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. As we know, also the four great beasts came up and each one was different from the other. And so in church, these false preachers, they they contradict one another continuously. And those that uh, come up after them, they contradict one another. This is the wide path. These are the wide gate. The truth needs to be similar. It's one river that splits into four. They are one essence. There's one baptism, one covenant, one will that makes us partakers of the Holy Yahweh. In Scripture, these four teachings that function within the body of Christ, they are also within the width, length, depth, and height, which are called to give uh, the partakers of the body of Christ the ability to understand the great uh, love of Christ so that we, we can be filled then with it with all of the fullness of God Ephesians six, uh, three sixteen through 19 that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width length depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Each of the four teachings 
of the old path of good, as we will see in the next sermons, they have within themselves also uh, 12, as they split into threes and four, four sets of three, making up then the 12. And so we now will be praying. And so when we're talking about a person that has just sinned, you have sinned, that means you can repent, you can re- reobtain your righteousness in Jesus Christ, or, or your re- repentance in Jesus, or your uh, purity in Jesus Christ as you are righteous. Uh, and so, as we read in the book of, in the writings of Apostle Arkady, we need to uh, produce the fruit of justification stating who we are to God, what God has done for us, and the second fruit of righteousness, we proclaim the not existent as existent. These two forms of confession that come from the two sons of Isaiah as we studied on Friday. I can't completely understand how how they were, uh, completely remember how they were pronounced. And so let us now uh, pray. ask you to deeply believe that God is for you. He is not against you. He has loved you with an everlasting love. He has given us the work of his redemption, and he has stood between us and our enemies in order to protect us and to lift us up to his level. Eyes closed. For all of us, this is an element of a secret room. Your hands raised to the heavens, a sign that our hands are without wrath and without doubt. Please pray along with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you and upon this holy place in the congregation of your holy people, I uncover my heart so that you may see my pain, my suffering, my wound that has been brought on by sin and lust, which I despise and which I reject. I come to you with my illnesses, fears, with the wounded honor a wounded dignity. I ask you, forgive me, 
Wash me. Cleanse me. Heal my wound. Restore me and protect me with the blood of your Son. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to declare that according to your word, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, I am saved. Your sins and transgressions are forgiven you in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look down up down upon you with his holy countenance and give you peace and have mercy on you. May thousands and ten thousands fall and not draw near you. May all the blessings of the ancient hills and everlasting mountains come upon you. May with a noise the power of death be cast out of your body and may in its place be erected the power of life and resurrection. May all of this come upon you and upon your descendants and let all the people say, Amen. While we remain in our seats, I again would like to remind remind us of that event that had taken place in our church. There is one more warrior of prayer that is no longer with us, or rather heaven has gained one more warrior of prayer. This is Davian, and we today don't yet know the exact date of when the funeral procession will be. But on Tuesday, we will find out this date exactly. This will be sometime next week. On Tuesday, we'll know the exact date and exact place. And as Pastor said when I had spoken with him, when I asked him, what should I say? He said, all that is hidden remains to God, and all that is open to us belongs to us and our children. And he said that while we remain in our perishable bodies, it is normal for us to have more questions than answers. When the resurrection of Christ and the life of Christ will reign in our bodies, we will receive answers to all of our questions. But right now, he says, we must walk by faith and we must place faith and life in people. Talk about life, talk about life, talk about life, and to never talk about death. That's why we always must talk about life, that someone will live, that he needs to hold on to the resurrection of life. And with this promise and with this victory, he can end up there. Therefore, Dear friends, let us not pass along to one another, Oh, you are sick, this is very dangerous, and you know what will happen after this kind of illness. Pastor never does this. When he speaks to us, he says, You will live. Hold on to the promise. And imagine, if a person dies with a promise, then this means that we will see this person very soon. And he's going to come appear and say, Here I am. We have such a capability to banish death, and to banish death not when the Lord commands with a noise to overthrow him into the underworld, but this noise we create. We create this noise, and we even do so today. And so this boy was a part of this noise. He created this noise also, and Our other brothers and sisters who have passed away also, some of them also ha are part of that noise now. All the prophets not having, that died not having yet received the promise. And we being in the body, having the privilege, we need to create this noise to thank God for life. And I am grateful to God. And Pastor asked, uh, of course, we, ha we, we send our condolences to the family, uh, Vitaly and I, Irina, they received everything properly and they understand uh, 
and they will be greatly rewarded for the work and the faith and the diligence and spirit that they had continued to keep all the way until the end of his life. Uh, they had complete confidence. The strong in spirit the Lord keeps in his perfect peace. And as we have entered through the narrow gate, we are within the atmosphere of the kingdom of heaven, and this gives us joy. And so let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.